0: That's life. Where killer bees were just what we were missing in this insane time that we live in. And so I thank you, God, for sending us killer bees. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Mary Mel Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday after Allison and right before our live lunch, or I should say, Nahum's live lunch, coming to you from—nope, not Manhattan. I'm still not in Manhattan. I'm still not in Manhattan. Neither is anyone else coming to you from. I should call it our remote Zoom studio here in Valley Stream, New York. I am joined by Yoni, who is somewhere on the Upper West Side. Yoni, can you hear me?
1: Yes, on the Upper West Side, the signal is loud and clear.
0: Well, thank God. Anybody on the street, by the way, today? Go outside. I mean, look outside. Don't go outside.
1: Look outside quickly. I'm actually on a good corner to look outside because I'm right on the 96 and Broadway. Yeah, a few people. And it's a nice day. Usually on nicer days, there's a few more people out.
0: Yeah, anybody wearing masks or everybody's... uh? You know? I gotta
1: say most people in the city wear masks. Really? Yeah, pretty good here.
0: So I've been finding in the five towns, most people in stores. I would say ninety-five to ninety-nine percent of people in stores are wearing masks. Um, they're always that, you know, four to five percent go, you know, who you have to give dirty looks to through your right. masks for not wearing masks, right? Um, but then outside, like the the, the walkers, the cyclists. The, the people who are spaziering on Shabbos, uh, not so much with the mask department.
1: So here, it's this, the the stores are 100 percent. like they won't let you in without without masks. And then uh, you know walking around, I'd say it's though it's still pretty high. It's it's almost like 85 90 percent.
0: So that wearing me, masks. So that brings me to like a, a, you know a conversation that we've been having internally, otherwise known as in my kitchen. Should stores refuse service to people who don't wear masks and gloves and everyone has signs on the door that right. says you may not enter unless you're wearing gloves and you ha- and you're wearing a mask, but then they enter anyway. So once you're in your store, should you be refusing service? I mean, if you've you've let them in. There's no one at your door who's acting as the doorkeeper who's, you know, behaving as a bouncer saying, sorry, dude, you can't come in like that. So once they're in your store, should you be refusing service? Like, right. you know, instead of no shoes, no shirt, no service, now it's no mask, no gloves, no service?
1: Exactly. That's the question.
0: Right. And and people are really struggling with it. And I was yesterday, well, that's not even an English sentence. Yesterday, I was in a supermarket in the five towns and there's a guy in there and uh, with with a friend and the friend has a mask on and this guy, you know, has no mask on. And I look at him and I start going like this around my face because I'm wearing a mask. And it is it is hard to hear somebody who's, you know, wearing a mask whatever. So I'm like, no mask. He goes, what? And he was a good 10 feet, 12 feet away from me. I'm like, you couldn't, you couldn't wear a mask? He's like, mask good for him, not good for you, no mask. <laughs> and he has no response. And yes, I could have been a good foot taller than he was. So he really was not going to pick a fight because he would have looked stupid. But whatever. <laughs> but like should and then he's standing online checking out at the supermarket and i'm saying to myself is anybody going to say anything to him? is anybody mm-hmm. going to say you, you shouldn't be doing this like right. I'm sorry yeah and by the way they sell masks
1: <laughs> right they should almost like force you to buy one also
0: right so gourmet glott has a rule that if you do not have a mask and gloves one will be sold to you at cost at the customer service desk there and you then go. you and then you can proceed with your shopping Suffice it to say, this experience that I had yesterday was not at Gourmet Glot. Got it. <laughs> but you know, it's nice because I go into Gourmet Glot and they take my temperature every time. It's just reaffirming just how healthy I am.
1: Oh, they do that? That's cool.
0: Oh, yeah. You are not walking in there without your temperature being taken.
1: Yeah, we don't have that. I mean, that's smart. That's the way it should be done. But right. and, and it probably will be done in the future, you know, shorter, right. sooner rather than later, but yeah. Not here. You know,
0: somebody was asking me somebody was saying something to me recently about the fires that took place in california right and i'm like what was that like a couple of years ago he's like january, january. yeah i'm <laughs> like of 2020 like yeah <laughs> My
1: bad. i think it's i think it might be the year of the plagues that's what it's starting to seem like you know what? With you the, the fires the hornets and then yoni
0: have and, you seen pictures of these killer bees
1: yeah i mean i i'm i'm on the fake news part of of that of, of the you know the horn the whole hornet thing but what does that mean <laughs> there's just not that many out there it seems like
0: okay i don't care if there are three <laughs> they're the size of my head and i don't need uh, i don't need that in my life i already heard that it's supposed to possibly flurry in new york on shabbos and i'm like i've had it i'm out yeah that's, that's a chutzpah. <laughs> sorry god that's a chutzpah it's may that's where it's, i'm out it's
1: gonna be may right
0: it's got. That's nice. A good <laughs> reference. I'm a little embarrassed for you, but also proud. Anyway, Yoni, all right. I got to shift. I got to go. Let's do the national holidays. First of all, ladies and gentlemen, it's National Cosmopolitan Day. And I don't mean like, oh, be a cosmopolitan woman thing. I mean the drink. So here's a funny little tidbit. Not so funny is that I go to, uh, and actually my guest, um, who is one of my closest and dearest friends in the entire world. We're going to, uh, let's unmute her for a second. Oh, stop it. Adira Hulk Coward joins us. We're going to tell you why Adira is on, uh, is joining us on the show today in a few minutes. But Adira, good morning. Good morning. I just want to, I want you to be part of this story because you'll appreciate it only because you've known me for more years than either one of us would care to admit. And because you love me regardless of how nutty I am. Okay, right?
2: I could tell you stories.
0: Yeah, exactly. You and Yoni and Arami can sit down and if <laughs> possibly ever be within six feet of each other again. You can all share stories. Anyway, so on Friday, I go to my doctor just as a checkup or whatever annual. And uh, my blood pressure is particularly high. And um, he says to me, and he takes my blood pressure three times on different machines, and it's unusually high for me. So um he's like you know we so he starts put he automatically tells me he's going to put me on medication which he did okay fine and then he starts talking about lifestyle changes he's like no hot dogs i'm like doc i don't eat meat and you you know that he's like okay he goes well the next time you go out for dinner i'm like when will that be so he goes all right fair point he's like next time i'm like next time what whatever you to fill in there is not happening so he's i said wait a minute um can an increase in alcohol raise your blood pressure so he's like sure are you increasing your alcohol and i'm like aren't you and he says (laughs) and he goes no and i'm like well more for the rest of us there doc so he goes uh uh-huh so you're gonna cut out alcohol i'm like okay so bringing me back to cosmopolitan day everyone else can appreciate cosmo day except for yours truly
1: that's so sad wow (laughs) that's a rough uh diagnosis
0: (laughs) yeah you know when you when you realize that the source of your uh, high blood pressure is your increase in alcohol because every night it's like red or white folks. Anyway <laughs> uh, Yeah, getting back to national holidays. It's world password password day. So if you forget to uh, Update your passwords because you're supposed to change them. do you have to change them. How often at the hospital?
2: Um, I mean, we're pretty secure. So a couple times a year, but not that often
0: So once every decade like I do is probably not the way you want to go <laughs>
2: Um, maybe not if you work for a large health center.
0: Ah, okay, so that wouldn't be me. Good, but it is national. Speaking of health, it is National Children's Mental Health Awareness Day. Certainly something to be sensitive to, especially during these times. 150%. Um, we have been celebrating National Hospital, uh, National Nurses Day, and Week, and Year, and Month, and anything else we can celebrate nurses, nurses for. God bless the nurses who are on the front lines. It's also Teacher Appreciation Week. They are on a different kind of front lines now, aren't they? Yes, they are. We appreciate our teachers. We appreciate our nurses. And next week, Adira, next week is National Hospital Week, starting on the 10th. It goes from the 10th mm-hmm. to the 16th. I can only imagine what is going to happen at Montefiore. And that brings me to my official, unofficial guest. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm joined by Adira Holkauer who is Chief of the Bioethics Consultation Service at Montefiore Medical Center and Assistant Professor of Epidemiology and Population Health at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. In addition to bioethics consultation, Adira teaches bioethics to medical students and medical residents. Prior to joining the Center for Bioethics, Adira was a trial and appellate attorney for the Legal Aid Society, where she represented children in abuse neglect, and juvenile delinquency cases. She re- received her JD from Cordoza Law School and her master's master's in bioethics from Columbia University. Adira, even though I knew all of these things about you, just reading it is so humbling and I'm so proud of you. And I thank you for joining me this morning.
2: It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Totally my pleasure because I could not, I mean, on a good day, I'm always proud of you because you're always doing something incredible and your bio and your just your daily responsibilities at Monty are, are literally... Um are awesome and leave me speechless, but you started a program Uh, I I mean how many weeks old is it now?
2: Nearing a month. I think
0: that's crazy. Okay Adira started a program about a month ago that was initially called adopt a resident Explain to everyone how it started why it started and now
2: what it's turned into. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much so um, as chief of the bioethics consultation service, we see at Montefiore about 200, over 200 consults a year, which is um, which is a very robust service. And right around the time that um, coronavirus struck, specifically New York City and our hospital, it started to slow down the first week, our actual consults, and I really thought it was because everybody was just so overwhelmed dealing with meeting the basic needs of our patients that there just wasn't time to sort of think even a little bit bigger than just getting everybody treated as quickly as and as well as possible. Um, And so I had this first couple of days where I was sitting home alone and thinking it is incredibly quiet. I'm not in service to my community at the hospital right now. Um, And then I started deciding what online courses I was going to take and how I was going to maximize this uh, pandemic um, quarantine time. And um, I started trying to think about different ways that I could say, give gratitude to the people that were at the front lines of our hospital. And um, something that struck me was that there was a lot of grand signs of gratitude, right? Like the clapping at seven o'clock, which is beautiful and gives me chills every single time. And... We had fire trucks with firemen standing on top of them clapping for our frontline workers We've had shout outs from Jennifer Lopez and Alicia Keys to our hospital. It's been kind of amazing Um, But I thought about what it means for somebody to thank you say thank you just to you and how special that can feel sometimes on a hard day and I happen to have had because I communicate with them the emails of our 200 Around 200 medicine residents. So I had this idea that I would solicit volunteers to write personalized letters of thanks draw art uh, have kids drawing or adults drawing um things like that. So Just explain to everyone everyone for a second what you mean by medicine residents because okay, so there's different residencies, um, I am, not, uh, I am not an official expert in this, but there are many different residencies. You can do your residency in radiology and emergency medicine and different things like that. These are residents that are studying general internal medicine. Right. Um, and will likely become attendings, hospitalists or go into primary care um, or family medicine. Uh, actually, family medicine might have its own residency. So, and also these are kind of usually the youngest and greenest of our crew. And it struck me that they're a little less seasoned and their skin's a little less tough. And sometimes we want it to remain that way mm-hmm. um, because uh, it empathy, empathy comes out and goes in easier that way. But um, I thought they might especially be feeling fatigued by everything that they're being asked to do. And so I just started connecting volunteers. And what I do is I'm the go-between. So I submit to the volunteer resident's name they make a card, art, poetry, whatever, send it back to me. And I started sending it to the residents. Um, pause, no pause. You know, <laughs> and, you're doing great. You know. I don't wanna break you. You got you got, you're on your stride, and then, oh. uh It struck me um, that the medical residents are incredibly important, but every single person that comes to the hospital and makes it run is equally as important. Medical residents can't do their jobs without nurses. Nurses can't do it without nurse managers and unit secretaries. Nobody can do it without security and I can go on and on. Um, And so I thought we need to say thank you to everybody. And I changed Adopt-A-Resident to Adopt-A-Frontliner, started networking, and now I have over a thousand volunteers um, writing cards for our frontline staff. Amazing. And it's I get more and more volunteers every single day and more and more people who are interested in spreading it within their communities, which has been really amazing.
0: It is amazing. And the whole evolution of where you started and how many people you thought you'd get, you hoped you'd get to where you are now, the fact that you just mentioned a thousand, I, I mean, I've been keeping track of what you're doing and I'm still stunned myself. But I think the most important element that people need to understand is that it's all done digitally. No one who's adopting a frontliner needs to do anything outside of their home in order to make a difference for that person that they're adopting. I think that element is key because so many people could be listening to this interview and saying, "Well, I, I can't, I can't get to Adira, or I'm not gonna go to the Bronx to the hospital." But yet, you you make sure that everyone feels good digitally and remotely. And that's a key element to the success of this project. Yeah,
2: it's and it's also fun for me because I get to open every single email and (laughs) see every card. And um, if I tell you that my heart overflows literally multiple times a day, I would be uh, that would be an underestimate underestimation. Um, And if people
0: look on, if people people who are listening to this interview on our app, you'll see an image in the, uh, that appears on our app right now. That is a a collage. Thank you, Avrami, of four different images that have been submitted to Adira that have been sent digitally to those frontliners. That they were designed specifically before, for made specifically for that person. So, Adira, somebody goes to adoptafrontliner.com
2: which is not completely operational right now. Okay, so, but they
0: right, but they can, but attached to this interview, or they can email me, Miriam at com, and they can learn how to join the Google Doc. So what happens? Yeah. They get the Google Doc, and what happens?
2: Okay, so you click on the Google Doc, which will be um, on um, the website for the show, and it will just ask you for your name, how many frontliners you'd like to adopt, and by the way, adopt means send one card to, not... Pay the medical school debt for or anything like that okay <laughs> just letting you know what your uh, obligation is there um you can choose how many to adopt you'll let me know whether or not you want me to share your email address with the frontline worker and once you hit enter on the form i respond to you with the name or names of frontline nurse frontline workers um, and from it could be security respiratory therapy pt ot doctors nurses um, social workers, runs the gamut. You don't know who you'll get. And when you're done writing your note, creating your poem, writing your song, because we've had two songs written so far, so nice. um, making your sock puppet, whatever it is, you take a picture of it and send it to me. Um, if there is a safe way for you to stick it in the mail, you're welcome to mail it to me too. I've been getting um, uh, copies of cards in the mail that I will distribute when it's safe. Um, so do that. What I do want to say is that I sometimes think that adults get a little bit scared around the creativity piece where they're like, well, I don't draw. I'm not, a, I don't write poems.
0: Right. I'm um, raising my hand right now because I'm one of those people. But yeah, I totally get it.
2: So I just want to share that this, there is a woman named Fran, who is in an assisted living program, um, who found out about us through the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale and she typed up two heartfelt letters to two of our social workers who both burst into tears when they read them. So five sentences explaining who you are and why you care does exactly the same thing as a sonnet, a poem, a song, a haiku, I guess some of those are poetry. Um, And so you don't have to Create a masterpiece, you just have to share from the heart, and that's all of us can do that.
0: That's amazing. That is such an important point. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Segal Network. Adira Hulk joins me. She is the brains and the heart behind adoptafrontliner.com, and I mean both of those things sincerely. You know, Adira, we, we need to mention for a second your day job, okay? Uh, because as people are, are listening to this, and I don't, and, and it, it was launched. Less than a month ago, you have a thousand volunteers, which means a thousand people who need to or have received, et cetera, et cetera. You, the 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 the, largest, the kindness, the generosity that people are expressing to frontliners, but you have a very full time day job that has to have been exploded in the that has to have exploded in the last eight weeks. Yeah. Um, as the as the chief of the bioethics consultation service at Monty in the Bronx, um, let's let's talk for a second generally um, about what your responsibilities have looked like in light of the Corona pandemic.
2: Okay, sure. So usually my responsibilities are um, bedside responsibilities to our patients when issues regarding value conflicts over values um, or decisions about end-of-life care come up, and they need a sort of an ethics consult, the same way you might call a neurology consult or something like that. Um, And we work with teams and families and patients all the time. A lot of that um, at the beginning kind of disappeared, and bigger issues, we started talking about a lot of the bigger issues that I think all of you have been reading about in the newspaper about um, planning for the the potential inevitability of um shortages in ventilators. Um, and then I think there was a New York Times article that some of you might have seen that we started facing concerns about potential shortages in dialysis right. um, machines. And there have been a couple of other things that have come up. Um, so we are part of interdisciplinary task forces that have just been meeting after meeting after meeting, trying to figure out the most um, clinically appropriate and ethically appropriate way of um, allocating our resources. Now, thank goodness, it never had to get to a time where we were without ventilators. We were very close. We were in single digits. Um, And there was an amazing campaign on behalf of our hospital. And also with the state's help, we were able to obtain um, additional ventilators. What I think people maybe not think a lot about is also um, the scarce resource of our staff. And you and I, Miriam, as educated as we are, (laughs) combining every degree that we have can't run a ventilator, right? We're not respiratory therapists. Nope. Nope. We're not trained in that. And so as many volunteers as you have and people who want to help, there are certain specialties that just can't be replaced. And so we have to start thinking about maybe we have this machine for this person, but can we use it well and right and in a way that supports them? And if we can't, then we have to think about, you know, what is the value of initiating a treatment where we can't manage that treatment um, in a way that keeps our patients safe? And so those are the kinds of questions that we've been thinking a lot about. Um, Have you been able to return to the hospital? I've gone a couple of times um, into the hospital. So my office is sort of hospital adjacent. Um, but we are also extraordinary. These are extraordinary times, as you know, with a lot where all personal protective equipment is a scarce resource, Right. So we have made major adjustments in terms of who goes to the bedside, because anytime I walk into the hospital, if I am not needed, I'm using a mask, a set of scrubs, something that somebody who needs to be at a bedside needs to be on a patient floor. Um, is entitled to and needs to have. So we have to be very careful about how our staff is utilizing. Montefiore has, um, I mean, I am incredibly proud of my hospital and I could talk about it forever. And I saw your
0: post this morning. Um, Yeah. yeah, If you don't follow Adira on Facebook, I don't know what you're frankly doing with your time, but you should friend Adira and and check out her posts because not only is that the best way, honestly, to link to adoptafrontliner.com, um, but also you'll see all of the good coming out of Monty and going into Monty.
2: I think that's important also. It's it's inspiring and incredible. Um, and I would say that another way that we as ethics have really been trying to show up is by creating spaces for our residents, our nurses, our clinicians, to just um, share how they're feeling right. and process some of what's been going on. And hearing their concerns and trying to figure out how we can be a part of the mechanism that addresses it. Um, and I share one thing. Okay. I'll share two, maybe two anecdotes, one about Adopt a Frontliner and one about our hospital, which is that during um, the the highest point of the search, our CEO was holding calls at 1 PM every single day. And pe- staff could email their questions and he'd answer as many as he could. And it wasn't just these huge questions about the virus. People were asking questions about things like, will you cover our parking? Will you cover our f- meals? And Monty has for the month of April and May given out all free meals and free parking wow. to um, all the frontline workers. So each, when you have a CEO in an administration who's listening to the questions of every single person and these are thousands of people, it creates an environment of um, support and love, and I find that that's sort of like trickling through. Amazing. Um, yeah,
0: that's really very nice. You know, we um, we have just a few minutes left. I, 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 uh, a mutual friend of ours texted me this morning and said, "I heard you have a VIP guest on your show today." And I said, "I actually have a superhero." And she mm-hmm. and yeah. she wrote something back. Um, and uh, she said darn straight and it's 100% true you know i I've, I've been friends with you for decades and you always have and you often have these crazy creative ideas which you and i both know i i completely appreciate um, because it takes one nut job to know to know another nut job and for that. right but this one Adira, this is this has got to be your best i mean i've packed packages with you for homeless and i've done other things with you other initiatives that you, I mean, I'm so emotional, other initiatives that you have started and that you've been behind, small ones, big ones. But this is the biggest small idea that you've ever had. And it's huge. It's just huge. And it's amazing to me, the outpouring of support that you've seen in four weeks, because ultimately people want to do good. And ultimately people want to show kindness. And saying thanks is so important. So I guess number one, on behalf of all of us who have adopted frontliners uh, through you, I want to say thank you because I never would have been able to participate or help somebody else in this way had you not come up with this unbelievably crazy but amazing idea. Um, that's number one. And number two, um, I I I. I can never, um, But whether it was this job or at legal aid, I don't know how you do what you do, and I've said that to you a million times, but I, I could not be prouder of you as, as, as a friend. I really couldn't. I'm so proud of you and this project and the work that you do on a daily basis that I just wanted to tell you that.
2: Thank you, yeah. Um, You guys just heard my uh, nickname for Miriam. Um, Can I take us out with some information on how to contact me and just reading one letter from an eight-year-old girl and one response from one of the frontliners? Absolutely, because I'm still crying. So you should take that. So this is the letter that was sent from an eight-year-old who learned about our program through um, SAR Academy. Um, And so I'm going to leave out the names of, of the people, but it's Dear respiratory therapist. Hi, how are you? I hope you are good. My name is Rebecca. I love writing letters to people like you. I am nine years old. I have a lot of talents. I'd love to do gymnastics, cooking, and art. I hope you are safe and are not too tired. My mom is at a hospital and is a social worker, and she works with coronavirus patients. Sometimes my favorite color is blue. I really hope you enjoy this because you deserve it. I'm definitely missing school and looking for things to do. I hope you enjoy this letter. Oh, and keep up the good work from Rebecca. And I sent that, um, to one of, to our respiratory therapists and the response I got a couple of days later was, oh, oh my, I'm crying right now. You have no clue how bad my days and weeks have been. And this letter burst my heart out. Thank you so much. Please tell Rebecca that one respiratory therapist loves her. And I will continue to help kids like her breathe easier so that those kids can also continue to do gymnastics. Thanks again.
0: Oh, wow. Amazing. And
2: that's just an example. Contacting you, best way? Um, either going to the, your website right now and clicking on the form, right. friending Adira Holcower on Facebook, or the easiest way is to, well, I think the form is the easiest way, but the other easiest way is to email me at adopt a resident at gmail.com. So adopt a resident at gmail.com. And hopefully our website will be functioning again. It kind of went down. So <laughs> maybe stay away from that for now. So adopt a resident at gmail.com or click on the link on the Notham Siegel network page.
0: And also everyone knows you can always email me Miriam at Notham Siegel.com. And when the, the interview is posted, as it will be on social media, Adir will share it. I will share it, etc. But the link to the site uh, to sign up to the Google form will be there as well. Adira, continued Hatzlacha to you. you for having me. Totally my pleasure. And I mean, keep up the good work. Thanks, yeah. You got it, babe. You're listening to that Live here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And uh, yeah, the live lunch starts in just a few moments at 11 o'clock, hosted by Nahum Siegel. And uh, yeah, we're going to skip the Zoom angle to invite everyone. And we're going to skip that until after Logba Omer. That's the rumor. That is what I have been told. We're not going to be able to close with a song today, frankly, because we're out of time, um, because the interview went long, but it was totally worth every single minute. So you'll have to forgive me. We were going to play ah by uh, YBC, because I've been on a total YBC kick lately. But we're going to skip that, because the interview went long, and um, I could have spoken to her for another 20 minutes. That is an understatement um of course, the afternoon programming continues after la bomers when you'll get a new arab Shabi show as well, but tomorrow morning join ahlam JM and the a m again we've been extending it, so it goes past nine o'clock starts at six a m eastern time goes past nine o'clock and then table for two starts at about nine thirty of rum we're still on for nine thirty right i th- i think so yeah, me too. Okay. So still on with with uh, Naomi at nine thirty. Abrami Host Saturday Night Seagull Matsu Shab is starting at nine PM. Matis hosts JM Sunday. Folks, you gotta be listening to Matis on Sunday mornings. JM Sunday is starting at seven AM Eastern time. Live, live in just a few minutes. That's life, everybody. Bye guys.